So welcome back to Podcast at SDA. I'm David Bridell, and I'm delighted to host this series of podcasts. Uh, this season, we're exploring the lives and careers, thoughts, and uh, inspirations of our faculty. Just before we begin today's episode, a shout out to Phil Allen and everyone here in the sound area. We're much appreciating your work on this series. So joining me today is Els Collins. Els, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, David. Um, Els is uh, a faculty member here at SDA full-time for, I think, 12 years. Am I right about that? Something Almost like. 13. Almost 13. I think you and I joined full-time at the same time. Um, and I, it's no exaggeration to say that without Els, this entire operation would fall apart. So um, Els is the head of production here at Dramatic Arts and uh, has been instrumental in building our stage management program and is also critical when it comes to the um, mounting of our season of plays, among millions of other things that we might get to talk about. Okay, curtain. Yeah, curtain. Yeah. <laughs> so, Els, much of what I like to do in this podcast series is to kind of delve back into the history of, uh, of the individuals that make up our faculty and to talk a little bit about where it all started for you and, you know, how eventually you wound your way up here at USC. So, can we do that? Can you tell us a little bit about how you... Um, first encountered the theater and what got you going? Sure, thank you. Um, this is a very weird experience, I have to say, for a stage manager to talk about themselves. Yeah, so. sure. <clears throat> I know it's a rarity. Yeah. Um, I guess I started working in the theater in college. Okay. Um, I went to Princeton. They didn't allow you to major in theater. It was too technical a major. Okay. Wow. So I had initially gone there as a political science major, mm -hmm. thinking I would be a lawyer because that's sort of the feedback I was getting at home. Okay. <clears throat> and after about a year, and I was sitting in a class of um, poli-sci majors learning about polling and how they could control polling. Now, uh -huh. this was back in 78. Uh -huh. But I looked around the room and I went, these are not people that I want to spend the next four years with. <laughs> this is not my tribe. Let alone, yeah. So then I switched to art history. Okay. Um, and I worked extensively on shows at at, U, at um, Princeton hmm. and uh, assisted in running two theaters, one in a, one of the residential halls for my junior and senior year and then a, a summer theater in uh, the uh, – Marie building. Mm -hmm. And so I got a lot of producing experience as well as stage management experience and, and not a little bit of acting as well. I was going to ask, do you have any memorable performances that you can tell us about? Well, my favorite was being one of uh, four girls in Patience, okay. you know, the lovely ladies, yeah. and um, <clears throat> making this really lame joke about 20 lovesick maidens we and looking left and right and seeing there were only four of us. Cute. Yeah, very cute. He let me keep it, the director. Okay. That was really astonishing. Um, <laughs> but I started stage managing because I missed a callback for Bianca in Taming of the Shrew. Oh, okay. And uh, ended up stage managing that production. And oh, I see. Found that was my niche rather than being on stage. And at that time, were you um, kind of inventing what stage management was for yourself? Did you have any formal, you know, overseer, mentor, or did did you just have to kind of make it up? I think I've been inventing it all my life. <laughs> good, good answer. Um, so uh, yeah, I mean, I knew that I could see what was needed in terms of um, structure and uh, support for the actors. Right. Um, and the director, and I really liked that role. Um, <clears throat> I found it extremely comforting to 
be in the room, mm -hmm. participating in the artistic process, and yet to be integral in, in making that happen, not, mm -hmm. you know, not as a performer. Mm -hmm. So it's something I've always loved mm -hmm. about the work. Mm -hmm. So what happened after Princeton? Where did you go next? Um, I went to live in Italy for a year. Uh-huh. I was uh, standing at the Coke machine at the student center my spring of my senior year, which is, as most people know, yeah. is a very traumatic time. Of course, yeah. And one of my uh, fellow gra uh, a graduate student came up behind me and asked me if I knew anybody who would want to go and live in Venice for six months and be an au pair for her six-year-old oh, daughter. Okay. And I was plunking my quarters in for my tab, and I went, yeah, that's me. <laughs> so I had been studying Italian for several um, months or uh, years actually at Princeton and so uh, I had a great uh, year mm. there. I stayed after she left and was a docent at the um, Peggy Guggenheim Museum. I was going to say, did you dive into museum culture in Italy? So. Yeah, it was pretty spectacular. I, I mean, there's just it was uh, really eye-opening. Yeah. So I yeah. had a wonderful time. And that, uh, that follows the art history thread that you were talking about. Okay, and then back to the States or further travels? Yes, my friend, uh, one of my friends from college who was the assistant production manager at McCarter Theater mm. wrote to me and said, I have a job for you if you want to come back. Okay. And it was it was working on a wardrobe for a Hal Prince production of Play Memory by oh, Joanna Glass. Interesting. At the McCarter? At the McCarter. Yeah. <clears throat> and... Um, I said, yeah, sure, because yeah. I, I was realizing I had to get back and start paying my student loans. Mm -hmm, yes. And I was feeling very itchy without theater for for 13 months, which was how long I was in Italy. Uh, that must have told you that there was some long-lasting, you know, passion there, I guess. So I came back, and um, I, did, I did do my stint as a dresser on that show. Mm -hmm. That's actually where I met Jimmy. Oh, no kidding. Uh, my husband. And uh, then the show went to Philadelphia to play at the Annenberg Theater, and I went as the wardrobe supervisor okay. there. And um, it was a very simple show to supervise. Mm -hmm. I had to iron about six men's shirts. And uh, Joe Henderson, who played the mother um, in the play, the play is autobiographical by Joanna Glass, right. and it's about dealing with her father, who was a hopeless alcoholic. Uh -huh. And um, <clears throat> so I was uh, Joe Henderson's dresser, and she had these falsies that she wore, and she called them her play mammaries. <laughs> nice. But it was um, it was a really wonderful time. Great. And what what followed? Uh, some work as props person. Um, uh, just moved to New York, eventually moved in with Jimmy, <clears throat> and um, began looking for work as a stage manager in New York and did a few shows there. Um, we also, uh, we got married and then quickly moved to California, and that's when I really started pursuing stage management work. Were you in the union already at that point? No, I was not. And... Um, so I, I answered an ad in Backstage West and uh, stage managed a little show in Beverly Hills at, at the um, Veterans uh, Building there uh, and met Susan Obrow, who okay. uh, Phil Allen knows as well. Okay. Um, and Susan uh, was at the time working as an assistant. Uh, she, was, she was directing this play but then later took a job as Gordon Davidson's um, assistant and as a producer for him. Right. 
And so I proceeded to do a series of uh, AIDS benefits, uh -huh. which she was producing uh, with Phil, who you should interview, of course. Oh, of course He's, I will. Yeah, okay. He's on my list. Good. Um, and uh, got a job as a PA at the taper and okay. then uh, had to go away from the taper to get my card. Uh-huh. Uh, which I did on a little show in West Hollywood called Blame It on the Movies, which was a <laughs> musical review that uh, was directed by David Galligan, which went to the Jupiter Theater in Florida, and that's where I got my card. I see. And But you were beginning a relationship with the taper, obviously, around this time. When approximately was this? Oh, gosh. Sorry, um, sorry to date anything, but I'm just curious in terms of Gordon's uh, The productions that I worked on as a PA were... Um, uh, Rosa, mm -hmm. the musical, mm -hmm. um, and I worked on uh, Lute and entertaining Mr. Oh, sure. Sloan. Right. So I would have to say that was probably in 87 or 88, okay. something like that. Okay. Now, recently you introduced to me uh, a film about the extraordinary visionary theater director, Reza Abdo, who um, was Iranian-born but based in Los Angeles for much of his career. And I understand that you worked with him. I guess that was not long after the period that you're describing, right? Yeah, there was. Um, I, I worked on that show in '92. Uh, okay. So between '87 and '92, I was working pretty pretty much uh, full time at the Pasadena Playhouse. Ah, okay, I didn't know that. And um, yeah, I worked there for about four years. And, oh, I see. Um, and then this, you know, call from the blue right. to work with Reza right. came came up. And uh, that was an extraordinary experience. Can you describe anything about it that our listeners can somehow begin to comprehend? Well, Reza, the first thing that uh, startled me was uh, when I asked to, to read the script, mm. he said there wasn't one. Right, okay. And um, that it was a movement-based piece, which was really an understatement. <laughs> um, it uh, was a piece so filled with rage and... Um, and distress mm. about the way our country was dealing with the AIDS epidemic. Mm -hmm. And um, was this produced at LATC? Yes. Yeah. What was the name of the piece? Boogeyman. Boogeyman, right. And uh, the set, which was by Timmy Nalsacker, was this sort of nine cube, kind of like Hollywood squares. Oh, sure. Set up. Right. But each of the cubes had something special about it, mm -hmm. like the uh, tank that we hung this the actor upside down from and dangled in the water, mm -hmm. the shower, the mud room, the, the you know, the, the submarine room. Uh, it was an extraordinary challenging piece. Yeah. Um, emotionally and physically, but the actors just were so committed. It was mm. really quite inspiring. How long did it take to run technical rehearsals for a show like that with so many challenges in the, in the scenography? Oh, boy. I, it's kind of a blur, but mm -hmm. I, I would have to say we probably teched a week and, oh. or, or two maybe Okay. the outside. Okay. Not that much longer than your average production. No, but there were, you know, close to 400. I mean, it doesn't seem like a lot now given the technological mm. advances in the theater, but there mm. were probably 400 light cues, 400 sound cues. Right, okay. And uh, uh, 50 video cues maybe. Uh, yeah. 
It was really fun to call. Yeah, I'll bet. You must have been very busy. It was It was great. Um, and have you stayed basically Los Angeles-based uh, since since that time? Pretty much. I went on tour with uh, Hal Holbrook. Okay. Um, Death of a Salesman. Okay. And uh, that was probably in 98, mm-hmm. I think, something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that was six weeks that I was on tour. Um, and then other than that, I've been pretty much... In L.A. And if you look back on, I mean, we talked about Reza Abdo there uh, briefly, but if you look back on your career and the, all the people you've had the great opportunity to work with, are there productions that stick out as, you know, as sort of lifelong memories for whatever C- reason? Certainly Boogeyman was, yeah. yeah, because that really challenged me in mm. ways that I'd never been challenged mm-hmm. um, as a theater artist, if mm-hmm. I dare say. And um, the other ones were... Uh, the the time there was about three or four years that we spent at the Doolittle Theater while the Amundsen was being renovated. Ah, okay. And um, several productions there, art uh-huh. was really really wonderful uh-huh. experience. And uh, Jake's Women, okay. so working with Alan Alda and and the cal- that caliber of actor was yeah. really quite special. Yeah. Now. When did you first encounter USC? Was it was it 2006 when you or were you in here as an adjunct or a visiting artist prior to that? No, I I was I was given a heads up about the job uh-huh. by um, I knew Madeline had come and of uh-huh. course I knew Madeline from, from the, the taper, taper. Yeah. and uh, shortly after she came I guess two years or so mm. um, Jonathan Lee oh sure is um, who's a longtime friend yeah. uh, notified me that they were looking for a production manager okay. and. I said, I don't know how to do that. Uh-huh. He said, oh, yeah, you do. <laughs> <laughs> sure you do. And um, it's basically just stage management on steroids right, is exactly. what I discovered. Right. So um, it, was, it was great because at that point I was kind of fishing around for something more challenging than the one show kind of yeah. model. Yeah. Um, my last show was uh, The Royal Family at the Amundsen. Okay. Um, which had the challenge of having five dogs in addition to oh, wow. um, the amazing cast. Yeah. Um, and even that was just sort of like, yeah, okay, next. Right. You know, I mean, I loved working on the show, and Tom Moore was great yeah. to work with, and he was very, very um, challenging for yeah. me. Yeah. Um, but this was a perfect uh, segue. Next step. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Had you ever educated before in any kind of formal capacity? Had you been in a room with students and you know prior to coming here? Well, I'd been in a room as a student. Sure. Um, I knew what I liked mm. as a student, but mm. no, I'd never educated before. Mm. And was that a steep learning curve, or did you duck, you know, water off a duck's back? Or uh, I would say it was a fairly steep learning curve. Right. Um, I think the academic environment, the university environment from the the side of staff and faculty yeah. is very different place yeah. than the theater is. Yeah. And so that was that was the steepest part for me, I think. Right. Acclimatizing yourself to the culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um so here you are, ten or twelve years into your, you know, tenure, if that's not an inappropriate word here at USC. And I do feel that um you know, you and I have sort of shared a similar time span. So we've seen many of the same things within our school and within the university at large. Um, but I, I sometimes feel about our faculty that each of us, especially in the theater, which is a very protean art form, 
Each of us has our own sort of fundamental philosophy about why we're here, what we do, why we do it, and so on. So to ask the big question, um, can you speak about that a little bit? What is it that you find is of lasting value in the theater? Where are your kind of priorities or, or you know, sort of deepest roots? Um, the theater for me is a is a manifestation of our humanness. Mm-hmm. I think that the things that we see in the theater um, allow us to experience our lives in a more rich way. Mm-hmm. I think working with students and seeing their excitement and their passion about solving the problems that a play presents mm-hmm. is <clears throat> completely... Um, it endorses sort mm. of our choices as uh, in what we've done. Mm. Um, and it's exciting to me to think that those students can go on and, and have a career that's been as exciting and special as mine yeah. has been for me. Yeah. Is there an innate <laughs> uh, paradox or um, kind of contradiction or even challenge between the potential for uh, any any uh, play or any theatrical event to really kind of open up secrets and locked boxes about humanity on the one hand and the role of a stage manager which can be a very technical precise you know organizational um, job on the other do you think that how does a stage manager resolve what they have to do with this sort of yearning to to let the human spirit go free in a production? Is that, is that a question that you can answer or speak I'll about? I'll try to wrap my head around that. Yeah. <clears throat> I think the... Um, uh, I think a good stage manager is able to um, give the sense of uh, sort of a cradle to the mm. activity uh-huh. without squashing it, becoming too... Um, Dictatorial. Yes, understood. Um, the, the, I mean, working with Reza really, really taught me that mm-hmm. because um, there were, you know, ten men dancing around naked in clogs, uh-huh. you know, doing this clog dance, and we were rehearsing in a flat space, which we all knew was going to become vertical uh-huh. shortly. Uh-huh. And um, Reza was screaming, faster, faster, faster. And then we got in the space, and and the actors were running around backstage, and they actually called an equity meeting and said, this is, non- this is unsafe. Okay. And we resolved those issues for them with the technical director at the theater. But the sense that there's complete mayhem mm-hmm. that you have to sort of keep track of mm-hmm. without getting in the way of. Right. Um, it's great. Yeah. It's so exciting. Yeah, and that's, that, that is the part that fascinates me. And, and I think about uh, stage managers I've worked with, and, and there are those occasions when you feel the stage manager is imposing too much authority. Uh, and there's also those occasions when, when there's not enough. So mm-hmm. it's, it's a really subtle art form, actually, to be able to manage the people and their respective desires and impulses. Yeah, it's tricky. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about um, the season of plays that we produce here at uh, the School of Dramatic Arts because it's pretty ambitious, to put it mildly. <laughs> um, and you've become increasingly involved in the whole process of uh, putting the season together. 
Um, can you tell me a little bit about about that? What excites you about the seasons? You know, year after year, as we piece them together, what challenges you, um, and any of your sort of personal thoughts and feelings about our our smorgasbord of shows? It's it's interesting that you say that I become more involved because I don't I don't feel like in the selection of the plays I am very involved. Sure. So I uh, you know my involvement is is you know I look at the calendar mm-hmm. I recreate the calendar year after year given yeah. the the changes in um, th- where the plays fall mm-hmm. in the calendar mm-hmm. and this year for example the biggest changes were that we added two reps in the fall. Right, that's right. Um, which has been a challenge. <laughs> um, but the uh, it, it's always exciting for me. It's it's funny. I, I have like an internal clock mm-hmm. that tells me, oh, now it's time for us to be all looking at next year's calendar. And right. actually that clock is, is a little on the late side. <laughs> the I alarm has rung. Yes, the alarm is rung. <laughs> so um, it's very... Um, it, it's very um, phasic. Yes. I don't know if that's a word, but yes. it's just uh, I, I feel like, well, now it's time to do this and right. now it's time to do this. There's a rhythm to it. There's definitely a rhythm to it where yeah. there were, you know, when I began 12 years ago, there was not. Yes. Well, I, perhaps that's something that, you know, because I do sense your intimate involvement in the process and maybe that's what it is that I'm sensing. It's that the, we sort of rely on you to take us through the, the tides um, of the season from from the moment that we have to start scheduling it all the way through to the sort of securing all of the plays. And then there's the then there's also the um, we're in the process of making assignments for yeah. the designers and stage managers. And right. They're all rabidly interested in how that's unfolding. Of course they are. Um, so and that's that's a bizarre process because we don't know what really what the uh, well we do know what the spring plays are and that's what we're working on right now. But yeah. It's always a challenge when you don't know what's coming ahead. Yeah, that's right. And I, I think in relative terms, if, if we were a professional theater, we would have our season for the next year selected much earlier than we do as an academic theater because we really give ourselves maybe three months before, if in, at best, before we launch into it um, over the, from summer to fall. So. Um, You've just reminded me when speaking about designers, uh, you know, you have a, a kind of a unique overview, I feel, else in our school um, in that as head of production, you're not only attending to stage managers, although that's been, you know, so much such a big part of your life, but you're also attending to the needs and the requirements and the challenges of the other designers in the other areas. Can you talk a little bit about um, what kind of challenges you've seen students have to take on as designers um, related to our production season and and some sort of success stories. You can mention names or, or not. It doesn't matter. But, you know, when have you seen really, really clear signs of growth in our students? It's interesting. Um, in professional theater, there's so much use of projections. Mm-hmm. And we don't, at the moment, we, we've, uh, in the revised curriculum, we have some projection courses. Right. But in the in the meantime, <clears throat> we've had a rather um, – we've had a group of students who've expressed interest in it but have lacked preparation yeah. really to do sure. it. And we've also lacked, I think, the structural preparation to support them mm-hmm. well in that. So I think that um, 
some really successful work has been done by um, Simon Chow mm -hmm. in projections, and that's been uh, great. And I've seen students uh, who've been faced with extreme assignments that they've embraced and have just knocked them out of the park. Mm -hmm. Mallory Gabbard and mm -hmm. the, uh, the new works last spring, mm -hmm. she just really um, did a great job on those. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I, th I think our students, uh, I think we're getting better about providing clearer guidelines mm -hmm. about uh, the, the deadlines, and that's that's always a challenge. We move so quickly. Yeah. We're doing so many things that to keep them on, on their deadlines yeah. is always a challenge. Yeah. I wonder, do you personally have one or two favorite productions here in the school that you've seen over the 10 or 12 years that you've been here? What did we do last semester? <laughs> I'm trying to just remember myself. terrible. I just... Right. Um, I do, and if you gave me another twenty minutes to think about it, I could probably you come can up send with me an them. email, and I'll quote them in the next podcast. Okay, there you go. Um, okay, so um, what what about the um, the future of the school? What excites you the most? What uh, terrifies you the most? Uh, um, you know, where what do you see in, ahead of us, and and how much of uh, your work in in as head of production is going to be sort of integrated into your vision for the school? Um, I'm very, very excited and pleased that uh, Scott Ferris has joined us as the Allison Pollitt Professor of Stage Management. I think that is really going to support yeah. the learning of our stage managers in a very concrete way, and he's already proved himself invaluable Great. to me and to the students as well. Great. I'm very excited about that. Yeah. I. I will. I would lie if I was say if I said I wasn't nervous about the uh, rolling out of the musical of theater program. I of think course. that that has obvious implications, um, both to production and also mm -hmm. to budget. Mm -hmm. um, and um, but I'm excited about the opportunity for our students to be able to participate in that. Absolutely. Um, so, I think that you know, we're going to need to grow mm. in terms of staff and faculty support mm -hmm. of our designers if mm -hmm. we if we want to keep up with um, the future productions yeah. and the growth of the productions. Yeah. And speaking of which, um, as you look at the professional theater now in 2017, um, I wonder, you know, I don't know about you, but for me, I'm always regretting the lack of time that I have to go and actually see what's happening, you know, around Los Angeles and even further afield. But nevertheless, I catch a few shows every now and again. Um, what do you see in terms of uh, trends or technologies that uh, are beginning to emerge in the professional theater that you think we should be paying close attention to in our future? Well, it's, um, of course, automation is extremely mm. important, something that we haven't um, haven't had our mitts on yeah. here, and I, and I think that given the the timelines that we have for our productions, will be difficult to sure. incorporate that. Sure. But we do have this um, this grant, this Amundsen grant, That's which right. is going to allow us to integrate a little bit of automation equipment into our um, productions. That's great. Um, and. Uh, I forgot the question. Oh, no. That's it. Trends and technologies yeah, of, so of the present and future. I think the um, projections is, is certainly a trend. I mm. think the um, uh, 
yeah, I think if we just continue to try to uh, get our students out in the, the senior year, in the, mm -hmm. in the spring when they do their seminar, to get mm -hmm. them out into the labs of people who are doing the technically advanced yeah. work, yeah. that's super important. Yeah. Because they won't necessarily, in their first jobs out of school, get to play with some of that equipment. No. But they need to know that it exists mm -hmm. because, of course, the process of being a theater artist mm -hmm. doesn't end when you graduate. There's, I mean, I'm, con I'm constantly learning new things. Absolutely. And I would expect our students will have developed that hunger as well to do that yeah. if we've done our job right. Yeah, that's right. I notice also, without having the details in front of me, uh, partly because I'm not typically in, in the area of production myself, but I noticed that um, through the use of camera and, you know, the easy access of cameras, whether it's on phones or iPads or any other form of, um, of recording device, there's new ways of capturing rehearsal mm -hmm. nowadays. You know, if, we, if, if choreography or, um, you know, movement sequencing or anything like that is being worked on in the rehearsal room, frequently now... It's simply recorded on tape as a reference point, you know, where once upon a time it had to either be written down or just remembered. Um, do you see any major revolutions happening there with the sort of ubiquity of cameras in rehearsal, or do you think it's just sort of small changes? I think it's. Um, I think it will be utilized more, but mm. I do think there are there are dangers and mm. things to be careful about mm -hmm. because I think the um, rehearsal process is such an intimate. Um, uh, exploratory process that yeah. to have multiple images of that floating around mm -hmm. is is not advisable. Not helpful. Not yeah. helpful. Um, so I think that as a school, we probably need to develop what that protocol is more right. specifically, so right. that that whatever is taken is is kept in a secure, yeah. password protected place, yeah. and then destroyed afterwards yeah. because we don't want it sitting around. Yeah, understood. Yes, I think if for, for the purposes of a production team who are sort of developing the aesthetic of any given show, I see a great deal of value. I, for for uses on social media, I'm much more skeptical. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but there is there is a very it's that's a hard argument to yeah, make. Sure. It seems very clear to me, to me and perhaps to you, but to the students there is there's no membrane between Understood. what is appropriate to share and what isn't inappropriate to share. And I will say that um, just to sort of counter my own natural feelings that I've seen many very successful examples of uh, rehearsal footage shared um, with the intention of building anticipation and excitement about a forthcoming production, um, which, has, which has actually been kind of exciting. And the whole idea, you know, that, that social media has allowed or, or promoted that we can be involved in the process that the artists are building around them. I, I don't know. It's interesting. There has to be a degree of curating, a very specific curating. But I wouldn't say I'm completely against the idea of sharing, uh, you know, uh, developing material. But boy, we have, it's, that's something that's very difficult to quantify. It is. We've tried, right? Yes. Um, and we have some policies, but I think we probably need more. Um, great, Els. Well, thank you very much for joining us. I, I guess I would like to just finish with one last uh, question, if it's not a doozy. Um, and that is to say, um, going back a little bit to the sort of philosophical 
foundations which might underpin our life and our work. How, to, as specifically as possible, how has the theater and your life and work in the theater enriched you? Well, um, it's, it's just a constant reminder of the depth and capacity of human beings mm -hmm. to express themselves. Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, I had the privilege of working on the Gospel at Colonus a oh, couple yeah. years ago with Ren Brown at the um, Ebony Repertory Theater and um, watching, you know, Roger Robinson mm -hmm. um, play the preacher, play Oedipus the preacher mm -hmm. was, was a powerful experience. And the experience of watching that audience um, have that sort of liminal mm -hmm. experience between um, participating in a Friday night service, which is the framework of the play, mm -hmm. and um, having this Greek tragedy unfold mm -hmm. was just extraordinary. Mm -hmm. um, and I just feel blessed to be a witness mm -hmm. to so many things like that in my career. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even in the productions that we do with the students mm -hmm. here, um, where you see you see the growth of an actor, mm -hmm. or you see the growth of a designer over time, mm -hmm. uh, it's very moving to me. Mm -hmm. I, yeah. Well, long may it last. Yes, thank you. <laughs> so thanks for joining us today. Thanks everyone for listening, and uh, we'll be back shortly with uh, another faculty member in the hot seat, and I will be torturing them with intimate questions until then. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, David. Thank you, Wells. Bye bye. Podcast at SDA is a production of the USC School of Dramatic Arts. Your host is the Dean of the School of Dramatic Arts, David Bridell. Podcast at SDA is recorded, edited, and mixed by the students and faculty of the BFA Sound Design Program. Join us in two weeks for our next episode of Podcast at SDA. Podcast at SDA.